Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. Do you have a faith that's truly based upon the Word of God? See, many people have doctrines and theologies that they embrace because of what they've heard from others. But the question is this, are we people that base our beliefs upon biblical texts or simply what others teach? Take out your Bible and look with me to the book of Isaiah and chapter 56. Now, this chapter is critical. It's critical because it outlines things for us concerning the last days. It is a passage that speaks about a kingdom faith, what God wants from his people. And notice when I say his people, we're going to see that there's an emphasis upon the non-Jew. And the reason why that's important is because always in God's plan, there's an emphasis upon the nations, the Gentiles. In fact, and we've learned this many times before, the purpose for God creating Israel, and he did so supernaturally. God entered into human history in order to give conception to a very old woman who was married to an old man, and they who were barren were able to produce a child by promise, the promise of God. And that promise is based upon God's desire to bless and give us a kingdom experience. And not just for a season or a time, but for all of eternity. We're going to see that the passage that we're studying speaks about a kingdom reality. And it's very important that we look at this chapter and allow what is recorded here by Isaiah to influence us, our behavior and our theology, what we believe. So let's begin. The book of Isaiah and chapter 56. Now, again, we're studying prophecy. And so frequently, prophecy is Hebrew poetry. Many people don't know that. And therefore, when they come to a prophetic passage, if you don't realize that it's prophetic and poetic, you're going to fail in your right understanding. You're not going to have the truth that God has for us in this passage of Scripture. Verse 1, Thus said the Lord, Keep justice. Now, another way that we can understand this is to keep God's judgment, what God says. So, this word mishpat can refer to justice, and obviously, God wants us to live a just life, to behave justly. But this word can also speaks about a ruling, a sentence, a decision, what God rules, what he wants us to embrace. And he commands us here, and indeed it is a commandment when he says, keep judgment, keep 
justice. Now, I use these both words, these two words, because judgment, we're not speaking about punishment, but judgment in the sense of a ruling, like a judge gives a, a decree, a decision. So keep judgment or justice and do righteousness. So it's when we agree with God, here's God's judgment on a situation, here's his ruling. We, we hold on to that. We, that word to keep means to value, guard it. So when we do that, then and only then are we going to be executing, bringing forth, what's the next point? Righteousness. So there's a poetic relationship. That means things are parallel. We find judgment or justice parallel to righteousness. So when we agree with God, and God's ruling, God's decision, God's judgment on an issue, we keep that. We are going to be doing righteousness. Righteousness is going to be manifested. Notice the next part. It says, Ki krova Yeshua ti lavo, which means, for close is my salvation to come. Now, he's not speaking about here salvation in regard to the work of Messiah the first time. But this has, when he says salvation here, he's speaking about a kingdom salvation. He's speaking about the victory that we are going to receive in the kingdom of God. And this prophecy is a last days prophecy. It speaks about a unity that is going to be seen in humanity. Not just among the Jewish people, but the emphasis, as we'll come to in a moment, is all humanity. Once more, for salvation, my salvation is is close to come and my righteousness to be revealed. So here we see as well parallelism between salvation and what? Salvation and righteousness. It's when we walk in our salvation, when we are experiencing the victory of God in our life, That is going to be manifested through righteousness. We are going to be doing righteousness. So very significant how Isaiah is writing it down when it speaks about, and my righteousness to be revealed. Well, righteousness is a kingdom word. How do we know that? Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33 where it says, Seek first my kingdom, the kingdom of, And then it says, righteousness. Seek first the kingdom and its righteousness. So these things are always related to the establishment of the kingdom of God. Verse 2. Blessed, and we have this word, enosh. Enosh is really an Aramaic word that finds its way into the Hebrew text that speaks about a human being. Now, the emphasis of this passage is not upon the Jewish community, but the emphasis is seeing the Gentiles, humanity in a general sense, walking in the truths of God. And that's what Israel is supposed to bring about. They're supposed to be that influence, that light unto the nations, that the nations embrace the same things that God gave to Israel. So, so frequently I hear individuals who I believe strongly that they are in error because they always want to say, 
oh, the, the law and the things related to the law, that's just for the Jewish people. That's an Israel uh, aspect rather than a human aspect. Notice what God's saying here. Verse 2. Blessed is the man who will do this. Now, what is this? When the word this, oftentimes in the feminine form, zot, that's the Hebrew word, stands alone. We don't have like this book or this house or this one. The word this stands by itself. When that happens in a biblical text, it's speaking about the primary objective, the main thing. Once more, verse 2. Blessed is a man who does this. And then what's parallel to the word enosh? Well, the word enosh, meaning a human being, is parallel to the phrase uven adam. What's ven adam? A son of man. Another term referring to a human being. So we have parallel here the term enosh and the son of man. Not speaking about Messiah, not the son of man, but a son of man, meaning a human being. And it says that he will hold on to, that he will will grasp on to it. Now we see something. We see a relationship between one being blessed that word ashray can also mean one being happy. Why? Because he does this. What is this? Then we're told again about how we're supposed to hold on, to take hold, to grasp something. Well, what is it? Well, we're talking about the same thing. Why? Because the word zot is singular feminine. And when we have the phrase here, yazik ba, that phrase ba is also feminine singular so it's parallel to one another the problem is we're not told yet what it is now i think you would agree when we have those two expressions look again at verse two blessed or happy is the man who does this the son of man or a son literally of a man meaning a human being that holds on to this what is this well it tells us shomer shabbat who keeps the sabbath and this word keeping means applying it to one's life now people will say and rightly so today we cannot keep the sabbath why no temple there were sacrifices according to the torah the law of moses that had to be offered up on shabbat therefore because those sacrifices cannot be done there's no temple there's no altar we cannot fulfill according to the letter of the law keeping the sabbath it is an impossibility today therefore the sabbath the right conclusion from that is has no relevance we can ignore it we should transgress it didn't say that we should should apply sabbath truth to our life being led by the spirit the the message of the sabbath is important does not the scripture say that Yeshua himself is the Lord of, of Shabbat, the Lord of Shabbat? And it tells us we, we honor God. We, we do what he says when it says, who does this is the one who's happy or blessed. A son of man who holds on to it, who keeps the Shabbat from profaning it, 
the one who keeps his hand from doing all evil. Now, notice again, parallelism gives us how to interpret this verse. Question, what are the benefits of rightly applying the Sabbath being led by the Spirit to one's life? Now, we we don't have to guess. And a problem is this. Many times when I ask a question, people will think and they'll come up with an answer based upon their own understanding. Very, very, very dangerous. We don't have to guess. When I ask a question, the answer is always found in the scripture. So notice the last part of verse 2, where it says, the one who keeps the Shabbat from profaning it, the one who keeps his hand from doing all evil. What's the benefit of applying Sabbath truth to our life? It tells us. When we honor the Sabbath, it is going to have an impact, an effect in our lives. It is going to bring about a change in us that is going to keep our hand from doing what? From doing all evil. So when we rightly apply Shabbat to our life, it's going to have a sanctifying, a purifying effect. It is going to turn us away from all forms of evil so that so that, that we can do the will of God. So when you're not doing evil, you're doing good, and good relates to the will of God. Move on now to verse 3. I've mentioned that this passage is not emphasizing the Jewish individual or the Jewish people in a general sense. The emphasis is upon the Gentile. We've had that phrase earlier in verse 2, enosh, meaning a human being. And the Hebraic way to say that, ben adam, a human being. Now notice what it says in verse 3. Do not let ben ha-nechar. Now this is also important. Because the word nechar means, in the strongest sense, a Gentile, a non-Jew. We cannot always use the word goy and say, well, that means a Gentile non-Jew. Sometimes it does, sometimes it does not. The term goy can refer to a Jewish people and does prophetically in the last days refer to that great nation that Israel is going to become based upon the faithfulness of God. But the word nechar always means someone who is not Jewish in any sense, not born of of a Jewish parent. So it says, do not let the the Gentile, the son of a, a Gentile, the one who has done something though, the one who has attached himself, join to the Lord. So this uh, Gentile, has attached himself, he is joined to the Lord. Now, what is that word for joining? It's the same word in a passive form for a Levite. Now, a levy or Levite in English, it is someone who escorts the the priests, who assists, who joins alongside the Kohen, the priests, to serve together. And this use, this word is used in order to speak about a Gentile. The term here strongly means a non-Jew who has joined, who has attached himself to the Lord, saying, 
the Lord has made a distinction of me. Why? Because I'm not Jewish. I'm not of his people. What does the verse say in verse 3? Do not let a Gentile say this, that God makes a distinction between me and one who is a son of his people. This is not what it says. And do not let the, the eunuch say, I am what? A dry tree. Why? A eunuch, one who cannot have children. So his, his future, his heritage, his legacy has been dried up because he's not going to produce any children. Now, a eunuch, by and large, would become one. Some, of course, the scripture speaks about one who is forced or compelled to do that. But others chose that. And they chose to be a eunuch. Why? Because this could secure for them a better position in a a wealthy man's estate, in a government position, being a servant of a king or a high official. So many times men would make themselves choose to be a eunuch, but they were choosing something for this world. And we're realizing something. In this passage, Shabbat is used, and the term Shabbat is as well a kingdom word. In in Judaism, we talk about the great Shabbat, and it's not talking about the seventh day of the week or a festival Shabbat. It's talking about the kingdom of God. When it says the Lord, referring to Yeshua, is the Lord of Shabbat, he's speaking, emphasizing he's the Lord of the kingdom. So the Sabbath is used in, in that understanding throughout Scripture. In many, many places. All places? No, but in many places. So this eunuch and this Gentile, they ought not think that they have no kingdom future. Verse 4. For thus said the Lord to the eunuchs, who, notice, the eunuchs who do what? They who keep, those who will keep my Sabbaths and choose what I delight. Now, let me ask you a question. In this passage, what is parallel to to what I delight? The delight of the Lord, parallelism, demands that it's my Shabbats. So we see, look again, verse 4. For thus said the Lord to the eunuchs, the ones who do what? The ones who will keep my Sabbath. What's parallel to keeping? the ones who has chosen what I have delighted. So what I have delighted in is the Sabbath. And we see parallel the one who will keep, in this case it's plural, plural, they who keep and those who choose. And and what is the outcome of doing that? Well, when we choose these things, it says that they are holding on to what? My covenant. So when we choose what the lord desires when we want to apply sabbath truth to our life what's the outcome we're holding on to the covenant god's covenant so again being someone who rightly applies sabbath truth to our life that one is doing the things that's going to keep them in and i'm talking about from a behavior standpoint they are going to be faithful to 
the commandment of God. Now I realize there are going to be those who are hearing this and speak about legalism and and keeping the law. Here again, what we're talking about is something that has nothing to do with legalism. We're talking about taking biblical truth and applying that to our life. But here's the key. Listen to this. Being led by the Spirit of God. And let me just say, with all honesty, sincerity, and a boldness that's rooted in the Holy Spirit, if you are a believer and you think that Shabbat is irrelevant, has no significance whatsoever for a new, and what people always say, a New Testament believer, you are not hearing from the Spirit of God. What are you going to do with the Scripture? Now, you can do one of two things. You can do like some and just don't study prophecy. Never, never deal with that. Or you can do it some and they want to spiritualize it. They want to take everything and make it so spiritual that it removes it from what it's saying. They don't follow the laws of Hebrew poetry. They don't recognize the parallelism. They don't see the conclusion that the Word of God demands. In other words, they really don't deal with the text in a biblical methodology that's correct. That's not pleasing to God. That's not what Bible study is about. So we can make a decision. We can say we're going to follow the traditions of the church today and miss out on what the Word of God is revealing. Now, traditions... More often than not, they are not from God. Didn't say all traditions are bad, but more often than not, these traditions, especially Christian traditions, that's rooted in a behavior separated from the text and scriptural authority are not pleasing to God. So we need to deal with what the text says and look at all the clues in the biblical passage to help us arrive at what is God's revelation for us. Verse 5. These eunuchs who, many people, the view of that day in Isaiah's day is that they were, were cut off from God. That they had chosen an act that was in disobedience. That's true. And therefore, they would be outside. They were outcasts. They were rejected from the family of God. And what God is saying is this, that even one who made such a decision, they could repent. They could once again find themselves being renewed to a right relationship, being joined to God and serving God. And he says, verse 5, and I will give to them my, my house. And not just my house, that speaks about intimacy, but also, and my walls. What's that? Protection. So God's saying, Those eunuchs who have chosen unwisely in disobedience, but those who now want to to choose me, attach themselves back to me, I am going to welcome them in my covenant. They are going to experience, experience intimacy with me, my house. They can be part of my family and my walls, meaning I will be a protector to them. They are going to know the the benefits of a a covenant relationship with me. And then notice the next part, Yad Vashem. Yad Vashem is a Hebrew idiom. It means hand and name. 
And it speaks about actions that lead to one's name. Meaning this, you are going to be known, not simply by your name, but your name, what that conveys to people when they hear your name being said, is usually based upon how you have lived your life. And what God is saying here is, I'm going to give those individuals, Yad Vashem today, it is a a term of reputation. God is going to give them a reputation. A reputation based upon their commitment, their covenantal relationship with them. And that reputation, what they're going to become in, in this covenantal relationship, is better than sons and daughters. Now, why does he say that? Because a eunuch can no longer have sons and daughters. But God's going to give them a reputation through him and this covenantal relationship with him that's better than having sons and daughter. And what type of name? It says Shem Olam, which is an eternal name I will give to him, which it will not be cut off. Meaning this, God is going to give them an eternal name. The word eternal is a kingdom word. They're going to have that kingdom hope, and that hope is not going to be cut off. Once we enter that type of covenant relationship, once we are are united with God, part of his family, nothing's going to be able to change that reality. Verse 6. He goes back to speaking about Gentiles. And the sons of a a foreigner, a non-Jew, this word nechar, that attach themselves, that join themselves to the Lord for what purpose? To serve Him. It says here, and for love and for the name of the Lord, that, that they should be to Him for servants. Now, this reveals something to us, and that's this. We attach ourselves to God. Who does? Everyone, both Jew and Gentile. Here the emphasis is upon Gentiles. And what we're seeing here is the kingdom being spoken of and the fact that there's a a large Gentile aspect to that. And so those who, verse verse 6, those who of the Gentiles that attach themselves to the Lord, for what purpose? to serve him. And they do so out of love, to love the name of the Lord and to be for him for servants. All the ones, now how do I show my love to the Lord? How do I show myself as a servant? Notice what it says at the end of verse verse 6. The one who keeps Shabbat from profaning it. And again, the ones who are holding on to my covenant. Now, this is, if we miss it the first time that it says, the way that we hold on to a covenant, what's that? Hold on to the promises and the blessings of God is by what? Keeping the Sabbath. Now, again, we're not talking about the letter of the law, Sabbath law. We're talking about the spirit of the law, not spiritualizing the text, but applying it led by the spirit today. And again, those who say the Shabbat has been changed to the first day of the week, no biblical basis for that. Secondly, 
Those who say that it's done away with, no biblical basis for that. The passage that we're speaking about speaks about God's salvation, meaning his kingdom, drawing near, being ready. And, and Sabbath truth has an influence into our life. It, it strengthens our covenantal relationship and our covenantal behavior with God. Now, someone will say, well, how do you know that you're really talking about the kingdom of God? Well, look now to, to verse 7. He says, and I will bring them to my holy mountain. Now, again, holy mountain, he's not talking about something in the past. He's talking about a future reality, and we'll see this in a moment. I will bring them to my holy mountain, and I, he says here, I will rejoice over them. Another way that we could talk about that, I will cause them to be joyful in my house a prayer and it talks about their burnt offerings and their sacrifices it will be a delight upon my altar now again it's not talking about this in the past and we'll see proof why in a moment it's talking about what will be in the millennial kingdom these sacrifices and offerings that 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 gentiles as well as israel is going to be making in the millennial kingdom are you and i going to be doing that we are not why because we're going to be ruling and reigning with messiah in a super visual supervisory position not not doing these things but but ruling with him but those both of israel and the nations that that come and attach themselves to this covenant after the rapture they're going to be doing these things and notice what it says at the end end of verse 7 for my house a house of prayer it will be called for all people notice it says ikare meaning it will be it's not speaking about something in isaiah's day it's not speaking about something that ever has taken place in the past this is a kingdom prophecy where the temple the millennial temple is going to be a house of prayer for all peoples new revelation a new reality it's never been that in the past but it will in the millennial kingdom so look again for my house this word house is referring to the temple my house will be a house of prayer it will be called for all people verse 8 now again how do we know this is speaking about the uh, last days, the millennial kingdom and such. Well, notice what he says in verse 8. Declares the Lord God. What does God declare? The one who gathers up the outcasts of Israel. So that's something that he's yet to do. To gather up the outcasts of Israel. What is he doing that? In the last days. It's taking place, the beginning part of it, has already started but it's going to come to its completion with the second coming of messiah read for example matthew or matthew 24 verse 31 but he says at the end but there are still others that i will gather unto him unto who unto that outcast of israel there's still others that i will gather unto him the ones that that i have chosen who's that the nations those of the nations 
And how are they going to behave? In the same way. We don't see in the millennial kingdom that there's going to be one lifestyle for a Jew and another lifestyle for the Gentile. That's not biblical. In the millennial kingdom, there's going to be the same expectation. And you know what? There always has been. God has given his word to Israel first. Paul says what a benefit and advantage that is that we have been given that word. But it's not solely for us. It's so that we would take that word and fill the world with it. That's the responsibility of Israel. Now, has Israel succeeded in that? No. But thanks be to God that through believers, both Jewish believers and non-Jewish believers, that message of scriptural truth is indeed taken throughout the world and being taken throughout the world even as we speak. This passage a kingdom passage. And you have to ask yourself, why if we're talking about gathering the outcasts of Israel, gathering with them other individuals, meaning the nations, clearly there's an emphasis upon the non-Jew in this first part of Isaiah 56. Why is that? What does it mean when it speaks about my kingdom and salvation is, is close? Why do I say kingdom? That kingdom of righteousness. All of this, one needs to wrestle with in order to form the right understanding of this passage. Isaiah 56, a very important section. Well, I'll close with that until next week when we conclude the last few verses of Isaiah 56. Until then, may God bless you. Shalom from Israel. Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel. Shalom from Israel.